How's it going, everybody? This is the Nitty Gritty. My name is Chad. With me is Leonard. And this week, we are going to do another installment of our Spotlight series, where we focus on a wrestler and go over their career. They might not be the most well-known wrestler, but we kind of cover their career and look at some of their matches and talk about their impact on the business or lack thereof in certain cases. But uh, this week, we are going to tackle our first female talent. And this was Leonard's idea. So Leonard, why don't you tell everybody who we are covering? Sure. So we are going to be doing Roxy Laveau, aka Nikki Rocks, uh, who I primarily know from her TNA run. But as we'll find out, she did a lot of stuff in a lot of other different places. Um, you know, as Chad said, we hadn't done a woman. We hadn't done anyone whose spotlight years would have been, say, within the past 15 to 20 years. We hadn't done anyone from TNA being where their spotlight years, as we would consider them would be, which was in TNA. And, um, you know, I mentioned I'm doing a long-term fancy booking fed thing. And I didn't have a women's division. And I thought, oh, I want to start a women's division. Well, of course, most of the big name women are taken by other guys. So I was looking at TNA in the late aughts to early teens because the knockouts division was really strong during that period. But all those women are underrated because this was a period where women were better wrestlers than they had been in the past. But at the same time, the focus wasn't put on them like the focus was today. So you get a lot of underrated ladies there. And I vaguely remembered Roxy. Um, and I think we're going to get into it, but the, the original voodoo gimmick that she had. Right. And I was like, that's cool to play with. That would be a cool gimmick to play with. So I watched some of her matches to get a feel for her and, and liked uh, the gimmick and the idea and what I thought I could do with her. So I, I wound up using her as part of my fictional women's division. And uh, right now I've got her in a tag team with uh, Winter, a.k.a. Katarina, a.k.a. Kaylee Burchill, uh, that I call Twisted Sisters. Nice. And uh, so, so enjoying working with that character and playing with that character. And, um, you know, we're going to talk more uh, about her, but I think she's, uh, I think that's, that's a cool character. And I think she's underrated and... I just thought she would be fun to talk about. So so we're going to get into her history. All right. Now. Yeah, and usually we would split up the uh, early years, the spotlight years, and the later years. But we're going to go through her career here all in one shot because she did do a lot. And, uh, you know, we're going to abbreviate some of it, but certainly give her the respect she deserves. So mm-hmm. she was born April 19th, 1979 in Boston, Massachusetts. She went by the names Roxy Laveau, the voodoo queen, Roxy and Nikki Rocks. She the hardcore uh, the hardcore knockout. We'll get to that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, her name was still Roxy, but that was kind of her label. Yes. Yes. We'll yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> they were trying to drop some of the voodoo stuff, so that's why they dropped the Lavo. Right. We'll get to that. Um, so when she was young, she went to wrestling events with her parents and established a love for the business in that way. She ended up training under Killer Kowalski for free allegedly because he had a soft spot for women trying to break into the business. So Nicole Rosinski wrestled in numerous North American independent promotions. Here's a list. Shimmer, women athletes, squared circle wrestling, women's extreme wrestling, 
Professional Girl Wrestling Association, New England Championship Wrestling, Defiant Pro Wrestling, MXW Pro Wrestling, World Women's Wrestling, Wrestling, Chaotic Wrestling, Ring of Honor, and she was also in Mexico for promotions such as CMLL and Lucha Libre Femenil and Lucha Libre AAA Worldwide. So that is a lot. I mean, she obviously covered a lot of territory and uh, we'll get to kind of why she had to do that here, at least my opinion of why anyway, later on. Mm -hmm. So from November 2005 until October 2011, at least in spots, she was with Shimmer and under the name Nikki Rocks, she had feuds with Amazing Kong, Ariel, Sarah Del Rey and others. And during that, but during that six year period, she did leave Shimmer for TNA in the summer of 2007 until August of 2009. She debuted for TNA at the Victory Road 2007 pay-per-view as the Voodoo Queen, a valet, do, valet for the Voodoo Kin Mafia, who are the New Age Outlaws, in case anybody wasn't aware. You have the VKM thing going on there, obviously a nod to uh, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. I gotta be honest, I always thought that it made TNA look bad when they did stupid stuff like that. Leonard, what do you think? Yeah, well, the, here's, here's the thing. I think why they brought in Roxy was they did the VKM as, as a slap on Vince McMahon because, of course, they couldn't be the New Age Outlaws and they couldn't use their WWE names. So it was like, well, Ken, I mean, you're kind of your kayfabe brothers. That makes sense. Mafia, where you're a group of dudes and you run together, you know, like a mafia. That makes sense. But they didn't have any voodoo. Like, nothing they did was voodoo. Right. So then I think the idea was, and they were feuding with the Bashams at the time, who Christy Hemme was the valet for. So I think it was, well, you need a counter valet and you need some voodoo. So let's give you this generic voodoo queen character. Right. And I should say, I don't think Roxy was ever comfortable in that character. And that's just me guessing. Uh, you know what? Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to We'll get into, Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll come back. We'll come back to that. <laughs> okay. Um, so yes, during during this time, she had matches with most of the female talent there: uh, Gail Kim, ODB, Christy Hemi, beautiful people. She ended up being fired from the Voodoo Kim Mafia uh, by Kip James on January thirty first, two thousand eight. The addition of Impact there because she accidentally threw white powder in the eyes of Kip and cost him the match against Hernandez. There's a name I hadn't thought about until I read this article. I remember Hernandez, though. Um, yeah. Anywho, after this, she began a, she began a phase as what Leonard mentioned earlier, the hardcore knockout. Um, and that's at least that, you know, again, the knockouts are what female talent and TNA were referred to as. I assume most of the people listening to this know that. But hey, um, the beautiful people tried to make her over. She resisted. And that prompted a big feud with them, uh, including, you know, obviously Angelina Love, Velvet Sky. This had her phase into a new gimmick where she would participate in hardcore matches, get color, as they say, and uh, convey a punk attitude, even swearing. Her last match during this first run at TNA was at Destination X, where she teamed with Wild, Taylor Wild, and uh, the governor to defeat the beautiful people in Madison Rain. On April 30th, 2009, she was released from her TNA contract while serving a 60-day suspension following a backstage altercation 
with Raka Khan. So, Leonard, did you get introduced to her during this run or after the fact? Yeah, this, this, I was watching TNA a little bit during this period, not a whole lot. It was like, if I remembered, it was on. Right. And of course, my eyes would be drawn to the people I knew, which were the WWF guys. So I would come up a little bit when VKM were on. And again, I was attracted to Roxy at this point because I thought it was a cool gimmick and I thought she had a cool look and I liked her. I, I, I didn't know a whole lot about her at this time. I know more about her now. But I do remember her at this time. I do remember her working at this time and being around. I couldn't say I remember any of her feuds or notable matches. I think I remember more from her second run later on. Right. Uh, but but I, I was aware of her uh, existing during this original run. I just didn't, didn't think a whole lot about her other than, oh, you know, she's, she's got a cool look. Right. Yeah, I was... I kind of watch a lot of TNA after the fact, so I was certainly not aware of her uh, a lot, but I'm glad I'm aware of her now. Uh, so on August 29th, 2009, Jeremy Borash announced that Rosinski would be returning to the company. And at the, uh, at the August 31st and September 1st Impact tapings for a one-shot deal, on the September 10th edition of Impact, she returned to team of Madison Rain in the tournament for the Knockout Tag Team Championships. They were eliminated in the first round by Angelina Love and Velvet Sky. On the September 17th edition of Impact, she was one of the Lumberjacks for a match between Alyssa Flash and Cody Deaner. So after this initial run in TNA, she would kind of hop around the indie circuit and became the fourth woman to hold the Women's Superstars Uncensored Championship, where she defeated Alexa Thatcher and Tammy Lynn Sitch in a three-way match. And mm -hmm. that's a match I really searched for, <laughs> could not find. But uh, the fact that Tammy Stitch was in a three-way match with Nikki Rocks is interesting, at least to me. Yeah, I'm, gu I'm guessing Tammy didn't do a lot of the heavy lifting. That's just my guess. <laughs> that's, that's a good guess. Mm -hmm. um, she probably had another career on her mind Yeah. after this. But anyway, Rosinski returned to TNA as Roxy on the December 17th edition of Impact defeating TNA Women's Knockout Champion ODB in a non-title match. However, Roxy was then assaulted by ODB and uh, was saved by Tara. December 21st, tapings of Impact, she broke, Rosinski broke her ankle in two places in a match against Tamada. She was uh, supposed to miss six weeks, but she was once again let go from the company on March 4th, 2010. At Slammiversary 8, Roxy agreed to put her TNA career on the line against Rain and her Women's Knockout Championship. Rain retained her title, ending Roxy's TNA career in the process. On February 24, 2011, at the tapings of the March 10th edition of Impact, she made a one-night return where she answered uh, TNA Women's Knockout Champion Madison Rain's open challenge and was then defeated by her. So... And then in March 2013, she turned down a offer to take part in a special all-knockouts pay-per-view held by TNA. And uh, so she would jump around on the indie circuit for a little bit. In October 2013, she announced her retirement from professional wrestling to concentrate on her fitness, fitness career and her company. I'm not sure what the fitness company is called, mm -hmm. but uh, I know that she's had kids since then. And... Um, she her last match was with lucky pro wrestling not a good name 
on December 6th in Clinton, Massachusetts. And she defeated Alexis in her retirement match. Just Alexis with two X's, Leonard. Make okay. sure you know, maybe make sure you note that when you go look at Alexis's matches, all right? Right, because if you put in three X's, you get someone totally different. Absolutely. So that is her career, and she's done a lot, and we kind of hit the bullet points. Yeah. There. But uh, of, of all the we talked about in the Spotlight series, she may have had the most detailed career, perhaps, of all. Uh, the yeah. And I was first introduced to her, but, uh, sorry, Leonard, but I was first introduced to her, I, you know, listening to the 83 Weeks podcast, I was watching the uh, pay-per-view where she had her retirement match, and uh, that was, uh, what pay-per-view was that? Slammiversary 8, yes, and, uh, you know, I had not known her before then. You know, it just, you know, this woman came out and like she's having a retirement match. And so that's how that's how I was introduced to her. And then you had the idea and I didn't know who it was that you were talking about. And then looking it up and I was like, is this the same person? And it is the same person. Um, So our next part of our episode here is going to be our notable matches. And she's had a lot of matches. I only jotted down a few. Leonard, I'm going to let you start. What did, what are some of her not notable matches? I, I guarantee we ha- we matched up here, but go ahead. Yeah, you know, I, I watched mostly the TNA stuff, and I watched several of the matches that she had uh, with with Madison Rain because I've mentioned in the past that, uh, you know, I've interviewed Madison Rain. I know Madison Rain, so I was very interested in watching the two of them work together. Um, I thought all the matches I watched with them, that, that included the match that you mentioned where she came back, I think the one where she left TNA and then the one where she came back for the one shot deal against Madison. I watched those and I think they work great together. Yeah. Uh, I think they have a similar style and um, they have really great chemistry. So everything I watched with them, I would call relatively short. Like I think they were all under 10 minutes, but like really solid TV style matches. Um, And I would be next I mean, I know Madison's retired, so I may not be talking to her again anytime soon. But if I if I do, I'll have to ask her how Nikki was to work with. Um, uh, I watched the 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 uh, oh, I can't remember what it was called now, but it was the oh, it was it was the Queen of the Cage from 08. Yes, Lockdown 2008. Yes, that which she won in order to get a title match with Awesome Kong, and I wanted to mention that Awesome Kong match because on paper, it looks like. Nikki's going to get her ass kicked against Awesome Kong in any way, shape, or form. And that's no slight against her. I mean, it's this is Awesome Kong. And in that match, she is losing for the most of it. But towards the end, she gets this hope spot. And she strings right. three or four moves together. And she's got this look on her face and this body language. And the crowd starts getting behind her. And the announcers start getting behind her. And for this three or four st- string of moves, this you know minute minute and a half you think she can win and that's important that's important that she can sell herself and you think she can win and of course she would ultimately lose that match but the way she sold it i think speaks to her talent in the ring because it's just not oh can you do the moves right but you know can you can you tell the story and she was telling the story very well there um, which I really like. And, and before I toss it back to you, I want to mention her uh, finisher, which is the voodoo drop, yep. aka the Barbie Crusher. 
Well, I like the voodoo drop way better. I think it's a cooler name. Um, and here's the thing. It's a finisher I have a problem with because it's a move where you need a lot of help from your opponent. Yeah. Most of the time when she does it, it's a snap-off kind of move. And it, an opponent jumps in to Roxy and wraps her arms and legs around her, and then she drops them straight into the mat on their rear. rear. It's like a vertical butt slam. Right. And it looks like somebody went for a code breaker and, and whiffed on it is what it looks like. Now, there's another way she does it, and she does this against Madison Rain. And I think it's because Madison is so petite. She's a very tiny lady. And Roxy, I think, is deceptively strong. She's very fit. She's not, like, muscular, but she's very fit. And yeah. um, when she does it on Madison in, in the couple of matches I saw where she beat her, she, like, Madison is, like, wrapped around her like she's got, a like, a baby in a chest harness. And she just kind of walks around the ring with her like she could do it all day. And then she just spikes her into the mat. And the way that looks is cool. The way the way she does it on Madison is very cool. And I don't I don't think I saw her do that on anyone else like that way. It was always like the snap version of it. So, again, that would be interesting to talk about, like, why did you do it that way with her? Is that something you guys worked out? Uh, and, and again, it may just because. Madison being as small as she was, she was someone that Nikki could physically carry around like that and right. and and do it. But um, you know, that was her finisher was the voodoo drop. So um, and I and I will say one other thing before I toss it back to you, you know, she had a couple of different looks. One was she had the voodoo queen look, and then she had the short hair look. And I like her with the short blonde hair, the because I think it it brings out some of her facial features more. And, and I knows how, you know, I mentioned how fit she was. And I think that also draws eyes to her arms and to her abdomen. She usually, you know, wrestled with like a two-piece thing. And I, and I think that was a good look for her. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about the Voodoo Queen gimmick. But, you know, what, what were some of your notable matches? Well, you mentioned a bunch of them. Like, I think one of her highlights was the Lockdown 2008 Queen of the Cage match, which was such an awkward match in retros but like like they yeah. start outside but then they need to climb in the cage like it's just weird but that was her biggest win i would say and yeah then the match against awesome kong like was was pretty solid for the amount of time they were given another notable match of hers not in a good way was the tna knockout makeover battle royal which uh ended like again like i i feel like and like I've listened to Eric Bischoff talk about how TNA wanted to be different just for the sake of being different. And mm -hmm. like stuff like this, it really sticks out like a sore thumb, his comments now, because the knockout makeover battle Royal, you had a battle Royal, but then at the end, the two people left would be in a ladder match. And the loser of that would get their head shaved. Now, wouldn't, wouldn't it make more sense that the person get their head shaved as the first person eliminated? I, I you know, yeah. but like, because so, if I was in that, I would, I would eliminate myself during the battle Royal portion. Like why risk it? Right. Like, yeah. Because why are you winning? You're not winning a title belt, right? You're just winning. You're winning the right number, it, was, it was a number one contenders match. And you know, okay, so. it, it ended between her and Gail Kim. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. So, I mean, that was a notable match. She gets her head shaved. And she's busted open on her head at the end yeah. of this. So, like, she's getting her head shaved mm -hmm. with blood all over her scalp. So, like, the hardcore aspect of it certainly 
appears there. Um, She's a tough lady. She was yeah, a tough ab lady. absolutely. I can't even stress that enough. Um, and I also watched uh, Bound for Glory 4, uh, which was a three-way match. Uh, uh, Roxy versus Taylor Wilde versus Austin Kong. Uh, she was kind of an afterthought here, added at the, you know, the last minute, but it was a good triple threat match for what, what it's worth. Um, in the last match that I had, and if you don't mind, Leonard, I'm going to lead into my final thoughts when I talk about this match because there's a reason. Right here. It's a it's a match in chaotic wrestling where she m goes against Mercedes KV, and that would end up being Sasha Banks. Oh, okay. So, I was going to ask you who that was. Right, and that was in 2012. So here's why I end with that and what my final thoughts were. I really like Roxy's in-ring work. I think that she's a really good wrestler in the ring i simply think that she was wrong time wrong place because you had tna who you're right they had a lot of underrated people gail kim awesome kong but there was still very much an emphasis on the eye candy aspect of it and you look at the camera work from some of these these pay-per-views and like just the ring entrances last longer than the match because you know these women are coming down to the ring and they're flaunt and everything and back then we were going into a transition i feel like from the oh these women are just really pretty and they're wearing skimpy clothes to wait they can actually do some really good stuff in the ring and i think roxy was kind of caught in the middle of that because she obviously was an attractive lady but she was really good in the ring she was really physically fit she had really good matches but Imagine if she was around now, like she would be a top person now, in my opinion. In my opinion, she would easily be as popular as like a Bailey. I think the only thing she really needed was some promo work. And the reason I say that, and you were, we were talking about the voodoo character earlier. I think the voodoo character, the punk character, I don't think she was comfortable in either of those roles. I really don't. Like the, the punk character, I don't know if you came across a promo of it. I did. Where mm -hmm. she's like swearing and stuff, and it's so forced and out of place. That like when she's swearing during this promo, it doesn't. She doesn't seem comfortable. Like when she seemed comfortable to me was like during her retirement match in TNA. Anyway, the one against Madison Rain, I liked that hairstyle better. You know, she had the blonde hair at that time. You know, she seemed she was just herself, and I think that that was her comfort zone was more being just herself instead of a character that's like hey go out there and wear flannel pants and swear and act punk you know <laughs> so i really think it, to me it was wrong time wrong place for her leonard but what do you think you read my mind exactly that's what i was going to say if he if she had peaked in 18 instead of 08 10 years later i definitely think she would be you know a former nxt champion she would probably be one of the top ladies on raw or smackdown right now and i did run across um a, a podcast where she was talking with uh, taylor Hendricks, i believe it was um and um it came up she said she looks at the business today on one hand likes where it's at and how it's different than from even when she was around on the other hand there's still a lot of 
backstage stuff and politics stuff that she doesn't like and didn't want to mess with. And that may be one reason why she floated around so much. Right. Um, and you talked about she was suspended because she got into a, a, a fight with Rock Khan. So, you know, there were aspects she said I would like, other aspects I wouldn't. Uh, but yeah, I think she came along. She's great in the, in, in the ring. She's, she's great. And when she's in there with someone like Madison Rain, who is also, I think, very good and very underrated, they put on some great matches. And you can imagine the type of matches she would have with Sasha Banks today or with Bailey or Oscar or these other people. And, you know, on one hand, it is kind of interesting to look at the fact that she played this voodoo queen. She played this punk chick. And then she kind of played more herself. And even though I don't think she was comfortable, as you mentioned, as the voodoo queen and the punk chick, the fact that you look at one and the other and you go, oh, that's the same woman, <laughs> kind of speaks to how she was able to at least figure out both parts and play both parts. She was very and a lot of that has to do with how she, and a lot of it is how she's dressed and her, the hairstyle and all that. But I agree. I liked her best towards the end where she does have the shorter blonde hair and she's, you know, kind of dressed, dressing a little bit different than the punk version. And, and I think was able to be more herself. I think herself, it would be like a tough chick. And I didn't find a lot of promos from her. And I don't think she promoted much with when she was Roxy Lowe, the voodoo queen. You know, I don't think she talked at all. I think they, they I don't think there the was character. Yeah. 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 She didn't talk because when like Kip James fired her, it was just like, she kind of just left. Like she didn't fire back. I think it would have been cool. If she would have fired back on him. I think the crowd would have went nuts if she would have fired back on him and it would have been an instant face turn for her, yeah. but she just leaves. She just leaves. And I don't think they knew what they wanted to do. I think it was, Oh, you need a voodoo element. Like I was talking about earlier and just they here, take her and, use her and they didn't know what they wanted to do with her and she didn't fit with them and i think it became just apparent this doesn't work and then when they jettisoned her it took a while for her to figure out what not her what tna wanted to do with her but she got was getting a push there for a while no eight and again my, my final thoughts here would be she may be one of the more accomplished wrestlers that we've talked about so far in the spotlight series and she is certainly, I think, the definition of wrong place, wrong time. Um, because if she had just came along five years later, I think it would have been a much different story for her. And I mean, I, I, she's, I think, you I mean, she, so she's 42. She's my age. She could still, she should still go out there. She could still wrestle. I, I bet you she could. But I don't think it's something from what I've seen. I mentioned that clip that she wants to do and that's fantastic right. and that's great i think she had the career that maybe she well maybe not the career that she wanted to have but she had uh i think a, a solid career and she left some solid work behind and um i think is just a very great underrated lady of that era so i would recommend anyone if you hey i want to explore the knockouts division from back in the day yeah, you know, finding that stuff that we talked about through like 07 to 10, 11. That's that's not just Roxy, but but a lot of that stuff's pretty good when they just let them go out there and go. Yeah. Good. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, you mentioned the podcast that she did. I would love to interview her here. Um, I still need to track down the gambler, too. Yeah. So I, I would love to uh, Nikki, Roxy. If you, if you somehow find this or if someone out there knows her, we would love to have you on as a special guest 
and ask you these questions that we have. And uh, as you can tell, we both have become big fans of yours. And that's a great thing about the Spotlight series is that, oh, I kind of know that name. They would be fun to talk about. And then we watch the matches and we become big fans of theirs, you know, like the gambler. We love the gambler now. We would love to have him on as well. So I would say it's a race between Roxy and the gambler. Like who wants to be our second guest? Because Dan Weber will always be our first special guest. That's right. So who wants to be guest number two? It's in your court, guys. First come, first serve. That's right. Well, yeah, um, you know, definitely check out some of uh, Roxy's matches out there. There's uh, a couple that I didn't even get a chance to see. Mercedes Martinez, who uh, is in NXT. She has like, there's a match on YouTube, not in NXT, but it's like over 25 minutes uh, that she has a match with. Mercedes. Yeah, I didn't watch that one, but that sounds great. Yeah. So, I mean, she, she was able to do a lot and uh, face a lot of people. I mean, and judge, judging by the number of companies, I see. I really, I, you know, I think it's really cool when somebody can go to different companies in different countries as well, um, mm-hmm. because, you know, they get a lot of experience, but uh, yeah, we'll see if we can track either of them down for interviews. Um, stay tuned for that. And for Leonard, my name is Chad and we will see you next week.